You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Jason Friedman. Jason is an all-out marketing guru. I don't know if we can still use that word in 2024, but I mean, if there's anybody that could be called a guru, it would be Jason. So Jason has worked with lots of Fortune 500 companies and helped them strategize on their marketing and different aspects of their business. And now he's working with smaller businesses and uh, solopreneurs, I guess, um, that are looking to launch better initiatives in their marketing. So thank you, Jason, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Maria. Excited to be here. Yes. Great. So I gave a very short intro. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about your journey. I mean, obviously we're calling you a guru and all your audience knows that you're a guru, but I'm wondering uh, if you could tell everybody listening, what got you to this point? Yeah. Um, if guru means I made a lot of mistakes over the years and did a lot of work <laughs> to, try to figure it out, then yes, I am a guru, but uh, <laughs> You know, my background, I'm actually a, uh, I'm a former theater nerd. So I was always a theater guy. I was a lighting designer by trade. So I travel with rock and roll groups like uh, Rush, Canadian Power Trio, right? Uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac. Um, I traveled with different Broadway shows like uh, Fiddler on the Roof, Jesus Christ Superstar, Man of La Mancha. And wow. I kind of had Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off experience where you kind of learn about this thing we call customer experience accidentally by like focusing so hard on how to create a standing ovation with an audience and really playing to that audience and having them have this transformation night after night for so many years, I kind of learned how to create these amazing experiences through storytelling, through all engaging all the senses, you know, everything that you can at your disposal to engage someone and keep them captivated. And so when I kind of finished my stint doing theater, um, I started taking that learning that I had and I brought it into the marketing world. And so really what we do is we help people tell three-dimensional stories about their businesses that relate to their customers. And we help create these experiences for customers that have them truly get the results that they most wanted when they started working with that business. And uh, that's been my journey. And we've just, we love working with entrepreneurs. Like you said, we've, we've had some great, amazing clients, um, big, big clients uh, over the years. But our passion is working with the, uh, the underdogs, right? The entrepreneurs, the people like you and me that took the risk. We put out our shingle, we started a business and we did it because we want to help people. We want to have the life and the freedoms that we so much enjoy. And uh, my passion is working with entrepreneurs to help them create the biggest possible outcomes, best possible outcomes they can for themselves and their customers. Well, that's that's funny. So that that reminds me a little bit of my journey as well. So it's I, every time I meet somebody who's really excellent at their craft, it's a very similar story. It's just by accident. Like I studied to do this and then this random opportunity came about and, and so forth. So I also kind of studied IT tech, had no idea what I was doing and then just kind of fell backwards into payments. So I was like, Hey, there's something here and I'm pretty good at math. I'm good at numbers and kind of just made this my whole business. It's funny because sometimes some of my, 
younger uh, audience and people always ask me, how did you like even know this was a thing like to, to get into? And I was like, I didn't. It just randomly an opportunity came to my lap. I worked at a job um, and, you know, it mushroomed from there. So uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, you were in a creative field, though, right? I feel like lighting and, and that kind of stuff, being around all the, the different shows and, and the musicians that you were, these are just creative people and creative audiences that you were around. So that's a, 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 not exactly, you know, a, a, what you're doing now, but at, le at least there was a creative component uh, to it. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, it, I, I just feel like it, it found me, like you said, right. And to me, um, what I, I love, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've, I had, you know, I had the proverbial lemonade stand and all those things growing up and I've never really had a job. So, um, I've just always kind of made my own business. Um, but I will tell you this, like the most important thing, as we all know, all of us entrepreneurs on this that are listening to this podcast right now, um, it is all about our customers. We have to create an experience for our customers that makes them happy. So they buy more products. So they stay with us, you know, as a processor, right? Like you need to make sure that your customers are getting the results that they need over and over again, or they're going to go someplace else, yeah. right? So it's about loyalty. It's about really understanding that audience. And so for me, that through line has been thinking of my customers and my employees as the audience. And how do I look at things through their lens? How do I look at things through their perspective and understand them so that I can actually deliver for them? And I mean, the interesting thing is, you know, it, this is applicable to entrepreneurs, but I think it's also applicable to freelancers, you oh, know, freelancers, the, the solopreneurs or somebody who's like kind of working on their own and has like maybe one assistant or something like that. You know, customer journey is really, really important. The last thing you want to do as a, as a freelancer is be that guy that's just kind of always scraping at the bottom of the barrel at the end of the month, waiting for your next gig. You want people to be coming to you. So you have to have some kind of marketing. You have to have some kind of, you know, customer experience funnel to make sure that things are kind of getting done the way you want them to. So people are coming back to you. And that's, that's how I started. You know, I was just, just one random person. I was like, how am I going to do this? So I, I created a process. I said, well, look, okay, this is how I'm going to take my customers through, you know, signing up with me. I'm going to ask for referrals. I'm going to do this. And slowly, but surely I don't have to, you know, go out there. People come to me now versus the opposite, which is I think what every freelancer or business owner wants, right? You don't want to be cold emailing, cold calling and begging people to, to do business. Well, and I, so I love that. Right. And I believe that. And I, I, my whole, my whole focus is how do we get our clients to rave about our products and services to recruit other people to come work with us, to renew their memberships and their subscriptions with us and to return to buy more products. Those four keys, the four R's, like that's what results are all about. And, and, yeah. For all of you, whether you're a solopreneur, entrepreneur, bigger business, smaller, it doesn't matter. If we can create the right experience where our customers really get the value that they expected, they are going to tell other people about it. They're going to give us the positive reviews. They're going to be there to support us. So sure. uh, it's just, it's more important today than it ever has been. And I've been saying exactly that phrase for the last 30 years. <laughs> well, that's good. You were ahead of your time. And I mean, I think just kind of compounding on that, I think branding is, is just becoming so much bigger right now than, uh, you know, the days of kind of popping up a page and just throwing a couple of Facebook ads on there, I think are, are done. You know, I think people are, are looking for more now they're looking to connect to a brand. That's why a lot of brands are becoming, I think, very polarizing because they want to just attract certain people. And so, forth. 
Um, I do have a question. I know that you're working, you know, we talked about who you're working with now, but you had um, a company called Creative Realties um, or Realities, I should say, right? Creative Realities, sorry. Um, So I I know that you eventually sold that company uh, for a large amount of money. You can tell us if you'd like, but uh, it was, you know, it it was a big hit, I guess, as an entrepreneur. And I think what a lot of people hope for is one day to be able to sell, you know, for at least seven figures or more, of course. Um, so can you tell me about that journey? I'm just curious to know, like how you started that company and, and also a little bit about the sales process. Like, how did you get somebody interested into buying your company and and selling it? Sure. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a very interesting story. So that was the business that I started out of, uh, you know, when I kind of finished the, the, the rock and roll touring and the theater touring, and I started helping retailers bring, this kind of experiential element into their stores. And so I, I literally brought all these theater people in as, as, as employees of my team. And we went out there and we staged experiences in retail stores and theme parks in restaurants and museums and you name it. And like we worked with, you know, everyone from Disney to Stanford University, all the way from Foot Locker to Burger King, from Fidelity to Bank of America. I mean, we we worked with shapes and sizes, different industries, you name it. Um, and the I think the the key to that business really was again, creating the experience. How do we get people to kind of forget about all the distractions going on in life and they focus their attention and they build relationship? And so when people were shopping for shoes, we wanted them to come into our Foot Locker store and really be present and be in that moment and get excited about it and learn about the brand. And what we found is when we did the things that we did in those stores by integrating all the senses, we had people spend more time in the store, have a positive experience and spend 400% more money in the store. And so we rolled out to over a thousand locations. And then similarly, we did that in financial retail. We did that in amusement parks and theme parks. We did that in restaurants. And, and, and the formula that we used in all of that was like really this understanding of the, the human experience and how do we help people get the experience they most want. Ultimately, our business was growing so rapidly. And, you know, I don't say this to brag, like it was it was awesome. Like we were like a rocket ship, like multiple times growth, not 20 percent growth, like, you know, five X, 10 X growth year over year. And so what was happening is we were um, outpacing our ability of the cash flow to fund the growth. Now, I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. Right. (laughs) We had, we had been on the Inc's list of fastest growing companies multiple years in a row. And I was at one of the Inc magazine conferences. It was in Dallas, Texas. And I was sitting in a breakout session and I was listening to someone talk about how they grew themselves into bankruptcy. And Maria, I was sitting there kind of like a good student in the front row. And I had this like weird sinking guttural feeling in my mm-hmm. stomach where I just, I thought I was going to be sick. And he was describing what was happening in my business. And it was just a couple years ahead of me and he was going to go out of business. Like he, he went bankrupt because of the success that they had. And I didn't know that that was a thing. And so wow. I, literally I, I, I finished that session. I called my uh, travel agent. I changed my flight. I went home, got my team together and I said, look, we got a problem. We got six months and if we don't figure out how to get, and we were profitable. We just, it was so expensive to fund all the things that were happening with so much growth. 
we just couldn't do it. We had a big line of credit, we were maxed, and as great as we were doing on paper, we had a cash flow problem. Wow. And so we had to decide at that point, are we gonna grow the same? How are we gonna fund it? Or are we gonna slow down our growth and allow ourselves to catch up? And I didn't wanna slow our growth. We were, our, our whole focus was on helping more people and serving hard. And that's how we were growing, by serving hard and creating a great experience for our brands and our customers that we worked with. And so what we decided we were going to do was go out and see if we can bring in uh, bigger investors, private equity groups and things like that. And I knew nothing about it at the time, but we found uh, the right partner and investment banker. And we went out to the world and we, uh, we had a bidding war of different big companies that wanted to purchase us. Um, the problem was they didn't want to invest in us. They wanted to purchase us. And I emotionally wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready to sell the business. My identity, I was the business. The business was me. There was no difference. And so I went through this whole experience of like kind of coming to terms with the fact that the best thing for the business that I loved was to bring in these people and allow it to really go to that next level. And so we sold. I stayed on as CEO. Um, I left after a few years and uh, kind of the rest is history. But um, it was a crazy time. And you know, we, it was, it was a, it was a hard decision, you know, and it was a, it's a bittersweet, right? I got played a bunch of money and, you know, didn't have to work and, and all those things. I obviously still work. I love what I do, Yeah. but, um, you know, for any of you that, that are in a situation where you're like, you're, it's your baby, it's a hard thing. Like there's a lot of work that you have to do on kind of separating your identity from your business before you sell. If you don't want to get stuck in this weird limbo land afterwards. Cause I had a period of no joke, five years where I was in a depression over it. Um, oh, wow. So. You're, you're scaring me now, Jason, you're scaring me because I mean, that's that, I think that's, that happens to most entrepreneurs, uh, that get to like around the seven figure plus mark, right? Like we're talking, you know, where, you know, the company's kind of interesting and this has happened to me. And I think I've, I've actually sabotaged a few because of that exact reason, not because it didn't make sense. I was actually, um, maybe about five years ago approached by a, a quite a large group and they wanted to purchase straight out and, and just kind of go like that. And then the, the question that came, I, I didn't even talk about money. I didn't talk about anything. I mean, with them, obviously we did, but I was like, well, what am I going to do? Mm. And I was like, well, like that's, I'm, I'm direct pain it. That's what I do. I'm sell merchant accounts and I've been doing this for 14 years and how am I going to not do this and so forth. So, um, I almost, you know, I was close to want, I wanted to go ahead because it was like, well, that's great for me to say that I've actually built something that's sellable. Somebody wants to buy it, but I was not ready mentally to say I'm done with this. I don't know what, because I, I just didn't have, I'm like, what's next? But the interesting thing that I think about now is maybe it's good not to know what's next. You know what I mean? Maybe it's good to say, you know, okay, obviously if you make enough money to kind of give yourself that time, that's obviously excellent. Uh, but you know, maybe that's six months. And sometimes, uh, what I started doing myself as an entrepreneur, which I didn't do before is give myself some silent time. Uh, so like, I'm like one of those weirdos that goes for a walk and I'm not like listening to a podcast. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just walking. I'm literally just walking for 30 minutes alone. Oh. And, and then, you know, and, and, you know, 
my friends, my husband, you know, don't you want to listen to something? I was like, no, I actually just want silence. I just, cause I feel like that's when, you know, sometimes maybe an idea comes up or I feel a little bit peaceful, but that took me a lot of time to get here. So I'm, I'm actually uh, happy that you said that. Cause I, I thought it was like, am I a weirdo? I'm being approached to sell something. And then I don't want to, cause I feel like, what am I going to do? And it's like, it's all about me. Right. So that's, it's interesting. I guess it's a common, more common than I thought. It's a lot more common than you think, first of all. It's a really good problem to have, right? Like, so like, you know, keep it in context, but you know, it is, it is identity related, right? And so what I found is, um, you know, being clear on like the difference, like you, you are not your business. Um, yeah. I was my business right now. I love what I do, but I am, my identity is I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a coach. I'm a leader. I'm a mentor, right? I'm not this business. This is one of the vehicles that I use to help the people that I most want to serve. And yeah. so that was a big shift. Um, and it, it was a journey, right? It was a journey, just like the customer journey, right? Like we go on this, this trip and we, the, the steps that we take, the, the, the points that we hit, sometimes they're friction points, and they make it harder and we have to work through that or we abandon and we yeah. don't. Right. And so that happens in our lives. It happens in our customers journeys. It happens in our employees journeys. And I think it's important. And, and, you know, the idea of identity, you know, is uh, it's so important. Like we think of brand, you started mentioning brand before, like that is identity, right? It's the identity of your business. And then what's your identity and how are they like intertwined and how are they separate? And yeah. I think, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business owner, whatever, however you identify, um, it's important to kind of get, get clear on who, who you are and how that relates to the business. Because I will tell you that the entrepreneurs, like, I don't think it's about necessarily knowing what's next, right? Yeah. I think there's something exciting about, like you say, like being in that period of percolation, yeah. right? Where you're brainstorming and you have total freedom. Um, that's exciting and that's important. Um, so I don't think you have to know what's next. There's something in that kind of like white space, that negative space that is really good for the journey that we go on as people in our evolution. Um, I think it's just about being ready to let go of something. You know, my, my closest experience that I'm about to go through now is my oldest son, 17, uh, on Sunday. Right. And so he's getting older. He's going to be going to college soon. And that's another one of those, like, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm having to let go of something in a different way and change the relationship. And it's, it's, I, you know, I don't know. See, we'll see what happens with that one. I'm, I'm going to do this one with a little more knowledge than I did into the transition out of the business. You had, you had some practice. <laughs> one other thing I've sold a bunch of companies, right. And yeah. that one that we're talking about, um, that one was the hardest one. Cause that one, my, my identity was extricably linked. All the other yeah. ones weren't. And it was a very different experience. Um, all of them were positive ultimately, yeah. right? You, know, you learn and there's ups and downs, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious why, you know, you just sprung up another question. Why were you so attached to, to the creative realities one, but the other ones you felt like you were separate. Did you build the companies differently? Uh, yes. And it was creative realities was my first one. I started okay. at my, and I didn't know what it was. Like I didn't, I'm big on vision, right? I believe that to have a vision, when you have a high resolution vision, you have a good shot of getting there and achieving it. Right. And so I love vision. That doesn't mean that before you start a business, it has to be crystal clear. 
And I wasn't. Like I was kind of risking forward, like my friend Victoria Labom says, right? And I was I wasn't sure what it was, but I I had some ideas and my clients, I had some people that were asking me to do things and just bring my skills. That business was literally fashion. Like if you took like all the things about my unique abilities and turned it into a business, that's what that one happened to be. Okay. Because I didn't know any different, right? It was just, it was the first one. And I had never really, you know, I, I didn't, my only jobs were really touring and working with, you know, theater stuff. I didn't really have a, a, a job. And that's so, amazing. <laughs> I mean, sure. But it comes with its own set of challenges, right? Like For I didn't sure. model it after. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so it just kind of amorphously happened and it was me. And like, if a client would say, Hey, can you do that? I'd be like, yeah, we can do that. And now that was a new, another service and another service, another service. And when I went to sell the business and this is, you know, something to be mindful of, um, you know, one of the challenges was that the business was me. It's a lot easier to sell a business that's not reliant on that founder, owner, entrepreneur. For sure. Right. Cause then other people can take it and do something more with it when it really is so centered around that founder. Um, and mine had gotten easier over the years, but it still had a lot of those ties. Like I was the main salesperson, right? Our revenue was directly tied to me going out and speaking on stages and talking to clients and doing things like that. That's a thing. Like when you go to sell it, they're like, well, you have to stay. Otherwise I'm not going to pay a value for the company because that's the model. And that's a problem. Yeah. You don't want to get into that situation where you're then you're selling, but then you're an employee because that also comes with its challenges, right? Because then you're like, well, no, I used to make these decisions. Why are you telling me, you know, so yeah, I, I, I get how that could be complicated. That's interesting though, that, uh, you know, that you had that, that journey and that you were able to experience that. And then kind of, you know, the, the interesting thing is that you did that once and then you, you were able to kind of remove yourself and sell multiple businesses and kind of talking about journey, personal journey. We're talking about personal journey. I, I did want to mention something about customer journey because you did mention, you know, you did it for different types of businesses. Um, I'll give I'll give a, a preface to my question because I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm shopping for a couch, really, really mundane thing. But I just redid one area of my house and I said, oh, I want a couch and I really have exactly what I want in my head. I'm just looking for it. I can't find it. Uh, and I can't buy it online because I need to sit on it and make sure that I feel comfortable and I like it and so forth. So I went to one store um, and one, the salesman was nice enough, but he just kept kind of telling me that my vision was not going to look good. And I was like, well, no, but that's what I want. Like, you know, I mean, listen, if I, if somebody comes in with such a very specific requirement, you, you can't shoot it down. You can maybe show me an example to say, well, this is what it looks like and so forth. Then I went to another store and her approach was very different. The salesperson was like, can I offer you a drink? And I said, oh, uh, sure. A coffee. She's like, do you want some like Bailey's in it? Or, 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 you know, I was like, oh, like a, like a drink drink. Right. <laughs> She's like, yeah. So she gave me and my husband like actual alcoholic beverages. We were sitting laughing and she told, she told me, you know, I know what you mentioned, you know, in terms of the couch that you're looking for. I'm going to explain to you why I don't think it's a great idea. And she just said, you know, these measurements are just going to make it look awkward. And I just want you to have the best couch possible. And I was like, wow, what a difference. Like, and I changed my mind. I changed the configuration of the couch based on her advice and so forth. The other guy just pissed me off. It's like, I don't want to buy anything from you. Why are you telling me I, I don't make any sense? Even though ultimately I came to the same conclusion, you know, the approaches are different. So I did want to ask you, like, how do you define customer journey? Like what's, what's a good experience and how do you help companies kind of create that customer journey? 
I love that question. And I love your story. Um, and I want to ask you a question first. Yeah. Why do you think, like, what was the key thing that was different between her approach and his approach? Like for you, like what was, what, what was the biggest difference? I mean, I think it was a more relaxed atmosphere first. She kind of took me off guard, but also she kind of made me come to the conclusion. Like I said, oh yeah, I don't think it's good because she was questioning me and things and, and giving me like kind of prompts. I came to the conclusion at the end that that was not a good idea versus yeah. being told, no, don't do this. So, so I love that. And, and, and it comes down to one thing. It's how they made you feel, right? Mm. One person made you feel in car in, in control of the situation that you're going to make decisions and she's going to help you understand questions to ask and whatever. And the other one took that away from you and you felt like put upon in a certain way. Customer experience is the way you feel, right? It's the, mm -hmm. it's the perception that you have as a customer about your interactions with the brand, with the business, with the process, with whatever it happens to be. Customer experience is not something you do. Customer experience is something that your customers have. It really is, it's the sum of all the things you do. It's the equal sign. Like in other words, it's not the cause, it's the effect, okay. right? Your experience was super positive with that woman for a variety of reasons, right? Some of it may have been that you were a little tipsy and maybe you, <laughs> your daughter was and that's cool, right? That's fine. But ultimately, she was trying to build relationship and have a conversation and like let you feel good about your decision and feel empowered to make a good decision. Whereas the other person was ramming the decision down your throat without taking the time to really get to know you and understand you. And so when you think about it in your business, like the journey is like it's it's the entire path. It's all the steps that you take when you're going down this road. And this, the journey begins before, like the journey with those two businesses, your journey started when you decided, I'm going to redo this part of my house. It was before you even knew that there was a couch store or furniture store, <laughs> in the middle, right? And yeah. so you're going down this journey. And then all of a sudden, these, these people are entering the journey you're already on. And so for all of us in our businesses, you have to realize your customers are already on a path. And now you're interrupting that path with the journey that you're going to kind of smooth them onto. It's like railroad tracks, right? And like, there's like a little sidecar that you're going into this journey because I was already on a journey and now I got to decide if we're going to go on that journey together and if I'm going to go down your path. And yeah. so that it's like, if that, if that on-ramp is super smooth and the onboarding is comfortable and warm and welcoming, I'm going to go down that path. If it's not, I'm going to de get derailed and I'm not going to go down that path, Right. And so mm -hmm. as we think about journey, what I want you to think about is what are the steps that we're taking towards that end result? And the best way to create a great journey is to get clear on the end first. We want to begin with the end in mind. We want to reverse engineer what has to happen to get to that result. And so at, again, at the highest level, we want customers who rave about your business, who renew their subscriptions and their services, who return to buy more products and who recruit other people to join you. But in your case, for example, for your processing business, what do your customers want? They want to have like their money show up in their bank account smoothly when someone purchases something without chargebacks, without holdbacks, without the fear of getting shut down when they're in the middle of a launch of a product thing or what have you, right? That's what they yeah. want. And so how does that happen? Well, that happens because they've gone on this journey with you. Things are set up right. Compliance is in place. They, you know, all the things that have to happen. So part of the journey is educating those customers on what has to happen for them to have success and knowing about their business and putting all the safeguards in place. 
Same thing is true of the, of the furniture place, of the, of the couch, right? It's like yeah. they understand really what your goals are. What are you trying to do in this room, right? A couch is a couch is a couch. The couch is, itself wasn't it. It was about your vision and how this fits into that vision and makes your, your vision of what success is come to fruition. You'd yeah. be I'm sure that woman made you feel great. You're telling thousands of people on, online right now yeah. that <laughs> right? you're talking about it. Because most experiences are just average and we don't talk about them. We talk about the ones that are really crappy and the ones that are really good, right? Yeah. And that's what we talk about. We talk about the extremes. And so all of us in our business, knowing what's out there, knowing how bad the, the, the average experience is not good, right? It's not. It's just, just basic, so if we can actually elevate the experience so we know our clients are happy, they're feeling successful, they're feeling like transformed in some way, they're going to talk about it. So what we want to do, well, I'll give you a, a couple of tactics if that's cool. Yeah. Like the tactic I think would be really important is we call it writing an ideal customer script. So what I want you to do is take out a blank sheet of paper and I want you to imagine that a customer just purchased your product. So maybe it's the couch. You just purchased the couch and it's in your home. Or maybe someone just purchased your supplements online, right? Or maybe someone just purchased um, your online training course or your book or whatever it is that you sell. And they're sitting there and they're feeling awesome. And they just had a great experience. I want you to write what they would say to someone because it was so good. Like, oh my gosh, like I walked into this furniture store after having been in another one and hated the salesperson. Like the other salesperson may be so angry. I walk in and I was kind of expecting that it was going to be the same thing all over again. So my guard was up and this woman came in and she like totally shifted <laughs> energy. And she was like, can I offer you a beverage? And I thought, all right, well, give me a coffee. And then she's like, well, can we make it Irish? And she <laughs> Like she just like all of a sudden we were laughing and like, I like loved this person. And so we sat down and we spent some time and now I didn't feel the pressure of making a decision. We were having a conversation and through that, not only did she help me see that what I was thinking was not going to be best for my space, but she gave me the right questions that I should be asking so I could make the right question. Whenever you go to buy something, you should go to Jenny because she was fantastic, right? Yeah. That's the ideal customer script. Write that down because then what's going to happen is you have that document. You know what it looks like. Now it's like, all right, what does my journey have to do so that Maria can actually say that at the end of her journey, right? So you can put those things in place. You can have the beverage or you can do this or you can sit down. You'd be thinking about what are the questions I should be asking them so I can really understand their vision, not just what size couch do you need? Like, what do you, like when you're in this room, like what's the experience you want? Like, why are you redoing your room? What was the thinking that went into it? How, whatever the right questions are. I'm not an interior designer, right? <laughs> but like, once you get clear on that, the journey is gonna like literally unfold. You're gonna see what it is. And the most important next step, once you get clear on that, is take away the friction points. Like we as business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, we make it hard for our customers to do business with us. And it doesn't seem like it. But if you go back to my theater days, I want you to think about it in terms of the audience. Your audience is your customers. Your customers are your audience. And I want you to step into that role of customer. I want you to step into their shoes. I want you to look through their glasses and I want you to be really critical and say, is this easy? Am I putting things, is that business putting things in my way that are not letting me move forward and find those points of friction 
and re- remove them or reduce them as much as you can, especially in the most important kind of pivotal moments, which are usually in the beginning, right? Yeah. In the initial moment, take away as much friction as you can and get to a win for the customer as quickly as you can. The fastest, we call it time to first value. The fastest time to that first value, and what I mean by value is the perception of success. And it doesn't mean that I picked out my couch. It means that I like being here and I feel supported, maybe in that furniture store. Like that I'm willing to sit down and have a conversation. That's a win. I hated the other guy. I found someone that I kind of like and trust. Let's move to the next step. That's a win. Awesome. Right? if, if, if I, if I kind of dig into that a little bit more, like getting a win and, and so forth, like, what would you say, like, if you have staff and this is a common, you know, when you have, let's say a five to 10 person company, how do you get everybody on board to understand this? Like, do you as a founder create this and then just kind of teach it? Do you collaborate? Cause that's, that's also, you know, obviously I'm asking selfishly some questions about myself. It's like, sometimes it's hard to get people who are embodying what you want in and your customer journey. And sometimes I have staff that, you know, customers will complain about and they say, you know, no, I'd rather just deal with Maria. And I hate that because I'm like, no, 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 I don't want you to deal with Maria. I want you to deal with so-and-so. So So what, what, what's your best advice for these kind of under 10 people companies that, you know, have to, to, to rely on more than one person? Yeah. So first of all, you are a great question asker. I love these questions. (laughs) Um, so look, it is, <laughs> we have a program that we, that we sell, we teach, it's called the kinetic customer formula. And we literally take you through this. And part of the difference of like, like our program versus like somebody else's like online training is I want you to bring your team into it with you. I okay. believe that it shouldn't just be that you set this vision and give it to them and teach them how to execute on your vision. I'm not saying that that's bad. That's great. If you, if, if you did nothing and just did that, that's great. That's better than 99% of the world out there. Mm. However, if you want to take it to the next level and it is dramatically improved, it's that you have your team co-create that vision with you. And so what does that look like? That looks like taking everybody in to a, a, an offsite space or you know a special space and going through that journey with them together. So what we do is we map your customer journey with your entire team, right? And we have you and your team go through it. And we really look at the steps because what's true for most businesses, we have some employees that are front facing, like our front stage employees. And we have some that are backstage that are, they never talk or interact with the customer. They don't even understand what the customer's businesses are, or how they work. They know like very like little bits about what their role looks like. And so they're not clear usually on your company's big mission and vision in mm-hmm. a way next to the customer. And then they're also not clear on the company's mission and vision and how it connects to their job. So what we like to do is think of each of our employees, each of our team members of having a position mission. What is their why for the role and how does that ultimately affect the company and their peers, their other employees and customer, right? And so when we get clear on that, when we start mapping out the journey and we have the whole team there, they get super creative. And what ends up happening is we map it out both the front stage side, all the things that are touching the customer, and then the backstage side. And so what we end up doing is we end up eliminating lots of things that are friction points, and it ends up making the employees' lives easier and better. And they start to understand how they interact, and they take an active role. They start to take ownership 
of things that they want to help improve and ideas that they have. And it becomes a wonderful team building experience beyond just like making it better for your customers. And we map out the employee experiences the same way, right? Because we think of like your business as a three-legged stool. You have your customers, you have your company, and you have your employees. And so you're, you know, you take care of your employees, they take care of your customers, they take care of the company, which can take care of the employees, take care of the customers. And this kind of round robin that happens and it's a flywheel and it gets better and better and better. And so when you bring your team in and you map this out together, they will take ownership. And you will also very quickly see who are not the right fit employees. And you will find a couple and you may decide that you need to let them go find another place to be happy or they might decide that this is not the place for them. But the more that you over-communicate your vision, your mission, what that experience is, why you are committed to that experience, the more aligned your team will be and the more aligned your customers will be. Okay. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. So yes, get a vision. I would go into that meeting with a vision that's not in stone. It's a starting point and then let the team co-create it. The more that people help build something with you, the more ownership they take, the more they want it to happen. Like they'll take ownership of making sure it happens and it's powerful. And uh, yeah, like great, great, great question. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're, we're beating this, this customer experience um, topic, but there is, you know, something also, you know, there's creating the positive experience and so forth, but there's also sometimes common pitfalls and things that can happen in your customer experience journey and, and even knowing them. Cause like you said, sometimes you don't even know what you don't know because you're not your customer. One thing I have a lot of my merchants do the merchants that process with us, they're like, Oh, you know, something, my conversion sucked, Maria, help me, help me, help me. I, I get like three random people that don't work for me. Like my sister, my cousin and my next door neighbor. And I have them go on zoom and record um, you know, here, go on this website and go through it. And like, we will find like, this is like the treasure trove of information. You see them clicking, they're confused. They're like, what is this? Where's the price? And they're talking as they're going through this. And then I give it to the customer and I'm like, there you go. That's random, three random people. And you're going to get a lot of information from this, but is there any other tactics like something like that, that you can do to yeah. try to find the pitfalls and then, you know, obviously, you know, get information to correct them? Yeah, well, for sure. So first of all, like kudos for doing that. Like secret shopping is amazing. You should always be shopping your experience and you as the owner should go through it also, but go through it thinking about it from the customer's perspective, right? Always from the customer's perspective. Second thing is, especially with online businesses, right? Like we're talking to mostly people that have some kind of an online business. Yeah. Um, you need to break the wall of online versus online, offline. Pick up the phone and call a customer. Talk mm. to them. Like stop, stop being this like, you know, nameless, faceless thing that doesn't have a phone number and can't communicate. Build rapport, build relationship, find ways to interact with your customers. And you can do surveys as long as there's something of value for the customer by spending the time and investing the time in the survey. I think that's great. Yeah. But like meeting with our customers, talking to them, what are their challenges? If people don't purchase from you, having conversations with people that didn't purchase, why didn't they purchase? People that ask for a refund or a cancellation, having a conversation with them, not making the refund contingent on that. Give them the refund, but then ask them if they would mind having a conversation with you. 
There is so much of a gold mine in understanding those things. If you are selling on some kind of other platforms too, maybe you sell on Amazon and on a website, read through the reviews, read through the questions that people are asking before they buy. Because there's a lack of clarity of expectation setting a lot of times where if people are asking some tons of questions before they even click purchase, you could do better in your sales and your marketing, right? We're not giving yeah. them all the information that they need. So I, I think that the most important thing is like whether you're, you're selling B2C, B2B, whatever, it's people selling to people. And so we have to not kind of put up those walls between us and we have to break down those walls. And the more that you can understand your customer, my favorite hack is to role play, right? So going back to my theater roots, right, is role play. You could figure out how to authentically portray your customer on stage, you'll win. And this is how like, you know, Robert De Niro, Matthew McConaughey, like the most famous actors learn how to get into characters so that they're believable when they're on the big screen. Do the same thing with your customers. Figure out how to understand really what's going on in their head. It's not just how old they are. It's not just what brands they shop. It's also the fears they have. What's going on internal struggles? Like, why are they not buying? Or if they are buying, what are they buying? Maybe they're buying it and they're not actually using it. Maybe they, they buy a supplement and they never open the bottle. Or they purchase your online training and they never start the course. What's going on? Because there's stuff going on in there. And if you want to help them get results, part of your experience in that, that whole journey is the education and the information that you're giving. And when you can understand their situation and give voice, give words to what's going on that they don't have that for, you will build a customer for life. What I like about that is, is I think we're coming kind of back to the beginning, which is you're selling a feeling. Yeah. You're selling a feeling when I'm buying your supplement. Is it because I'm feeling crappy about myself and I need confidence? Is it because I'm competing with somebody, uh, you know, my next door neighbor that looks nicer than me and I want to lose a couple of pounds? Uh, you know, is it, you know, it could be vanity. It could be fear of like your husband leaving you if you don't, you know, shape up. So, you know, what you're saying, I think is, is interesting is that, you know, getting that feedback, if you're selling on Amazon, reading reviews or going through the customer journey to understand what the feeling is of your customer when they're buying your product, what is the main kind of, uh, you know, feeling that they're getting. And then if this is applicable, not just to the business owner or people selling, or I think, you know, if you're a copywriter or if you're in any type of marketing role in any company, you need to understand what are people feeling when they're coming onto your page and what's the feeling they want when they leave. So when I leave and I buy your supplement, I want to feel like this is going to help me lose weight for my high school reunion so I can look better than all the other uh, girls that are there or, or boys that are there and so forth. So, you know, that, that's that's, you know, I think that's the interesting thing. And, and I do love the Amazon reviews because as a consumer, I read Amazon reviews all the time. It's actually turned me off certain products. Uh, so it could be, you know, I, I think it's, there's, there's something to be said about having your product on Amazon, even if it's not like a main uh, place where you get traffic, cause you really get a lot of feedback. 100%. Yeah. I just want to touch on one other thing that you said. Um, I love everything you just said. I completely agree. I just don't want you to think of like, after they bought your supplement, for example, how do they feel? I want you to also then take it and say, and now how do I make sure they're using that supplement? What is the journey that gets okay. them beyond just buying it and feeling good that they scratched the itch? They bought, they checked the box. I bought it. Now, yeah. how do we, because for all of our brands, whoever we are, whatever we're selling, whether it's my programs, your programs, your supplements, whatever it is at the end of the day, like we want people to take action. And if they get results, they will tell other people and they will share. 
And if we're not doing that, ultimately, like our experience is our fingerprint. It's what makes us unique. There's a million supplements to use that example on the market that say that they do the same thing. Why are they choosing yours? And I would argue it is about the experience that you will be able to create, the experience that they will have. And it is about how they feel about your brand and the process that they went through to, to, to get your brand and to use it. So if you can help them conquer that and feel really great, they're going to choose you and they're going to stick with you. Okay. Well, interesting. I mean, just I've been in this industry for 17 years, uh, different direct response businesses and so forth. And I've seen it go from these like one page you know, hiding upsell, hiding rebuilds and all that to kind of then, you know, having more of a story based uh, video sales letters, webinars, all that kind of that transition. So I'm just curious in closing, you know, you being in the industry for so long and, you know, obviously helping so many different types of companies and so forth. What do you see kind of the trends right now? And what are things that people can do and business can do within the next couple of years to be ahead of the curve and, you know, be on top of the next new trend, I guess, in marketing? Yeah. I mean, uh, um, it's, it's not going to be different than what I've said before. I apologize. Okay. Or boring, but you have to obsess over your customer's experience and obsess over helping them get results. Like okay. that differentiator, the more that you can focus, we spend all of our energy, all of our budget, all of our marketing on the acquisition side. We need to put some of that budget, whether it be money, time, resource, focus, or all of the above on the actual fulfillment side of it and getting them results. And when you do, you will win. And, and along those lines, I want to give you a, a gift, if that's cool, um, for, your, for your listeners. I have a PDF. I'm not going to tell you what it is. This is like a trust thing. You got to go to the page and see. It's free, no strings attached, um, but it is like one of my best strategies and tactics. You won't be able to get it on our website. It's not there. Our website, cxformula.com. Feel free to check it out. But this is actually a special uh, page just for, for this audience. And so it's at gift.cxformula.com slashed direct pay net. And it is, it is something that if you, it, it'll take you 10 minutes to go through it. It's not long, it's not complicated, but it'll change the way you think about this whole thing that we've been talking about for this last, you know, bit of time. And it will give you actionable tactics that you can apply right now. And, uh, for our own businesses, for my clients, it's been one of the best things we've ever done. So check it out. It's unreasonably awesome. And, um, and I think it'll really help. Well, we're going to pop those links down below, guys. So anybody who's listening, just check out the links down below to get Jason's guide. I'm definitely going to be downloading it because I need uh, I need some advice on my marketing as well and my customer experience. Um, I think even if you think everything's good, there's always a way to do things better. So whether you're a marketer, whether you're a business owner or whether you're in customer service, I think this would be very applicable uh, to your day to day. So guys, don't forget to go download that. And thank you, Jason, so much for your time. This was awesome. I, I have a lot of notes to think about for myself. So I hope everybody listening also took some notes and uh, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me.